Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will look at why Ryanair has been branded evil, while I'll look at the 21st century's answer to a bird strike. I'll look at Lufthansa's Afghanistan evacuation effort, while Joe will see why two SAS A320neos were in Pakistan. Finally, Tom will look at how German residents can travel to Singapore quarantine-free. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to start with my Ryanair story today because it's, it's I don't know, it's crazy Ryanair being branded evil by another cust- um, company rather than customers, you know. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure there's plenty of customers would have uh, something to say along those lines after they've paid all the ancillary fees for get, taking a bag and a, and a thing on board, you know. Mm. Well, it's actually not a customer this time calling Ryanair evil. And it's not they're not calling the airline evil, actually. They're calling the airline's practices evil. And the person doing this, or the company doing this, is Kiwi.com, who um, we know as... They're sort of like an online travel agent selling tickets for airlines. Um, and they'll, like, connect itineraries that don't connect up and things like that. Yeah, um, I always thought it was quite an, an innovative little uh, solution to a problem, really. Hmm. Well, I mean, I love going on there and just seeing what sort of absurd ways you can get from A to B that are crazy cheap rather than just flying direct. But um, it's interesting because selling flights directly to the customer has always really been in the ethos of Ryanair since the very early days when Michael O'Leary turned it into a true low-cost carrier. And the idea of that was to avoid commission costs related to travel agents. But Ryanair isn't happy with Kiwi.com, so the the feeling goes both ways um, (laughs) because Kiwi has been selling tickets for its flights. And you may be thinking, well, what's the uh, what's the problem with that? And um, according to the airline, Kiwi.com is uh, circumventing aviation regulations by giving passengers uh, boarding passes directly. Because, you know, when you check in for a flight, you have to tick that box saying, I'm not going to bring this in my check luggage and all this. Yeah. Um, the Ryanair is basically saying by checking customers in, Kiwi.com is um, missing this important safety regulation and it's part of EU regulation 2015-1998 and it says the air carrier shall ensure that passengers are informed of the prohibited articles listed in attachment 4C before check-in is completed and passengers should be informed of the prohibited articles listed in attachment 5B before check-in is completed. Okay. So basically Ryanair's arguing that um, Kiwi.com uh, circumvent these essential aviation regulations by issuing their own boarding cards, which aren't valid on Ryanair flights. And okay. basically, Ryanair's now decided that if you turn up to a flight with a Kiwi.com branded boarding pass, they're not going to let you on the plane. Um, mm. They said it's because it's all because of the security protocols. And this well, is where Kiwi... It's a bit harsh, com- though, doesn't it? Well... Yes and no, you know, I'm kind of sat on the fence. Um, I think I might slightly side with Ryanair here, actually, but because mm. um, they've consistently said it's not new that they've said we don't want people selling our tickets who aren't us. Yeah, um, fair enough. Which I guess they're fairly in their right to say. Um, but I think, you Kiwi. know, for most passengers, you're you're in a situation where 
you do yeah. everything well, through the... third party sites you know you, you book your yeah. hotels on booking.com and you look up your flights on Skyscanner or whatever and if you can yeah. then check out and, and get your boarding pass then and there you wouldn't realize that that's not a mm. good thing to be doing would you yeah, well, I mean, that's that's essentially what this boils down to is that it's um, the customers who may be innocently booking a Ryanair flight are affected um, because of how like they, they might not realise booking with Kiwi.com that they're going to run into these troubles. Um, exactly. Kiwi told us that they don't issue fake boarding passes and that it complies with all the requirements to ensure safe travel for its customers and has done with years uh, for years. And they said basically... The problem is that they're giving boarding passes that have all the same information as Ryanair's boarding passes, but rather than saying Ryanair on the side, they say Kiwi.com in a different colour. Oh, um, and that's literally the only difference. Yeah, and then <laughs> um, they told us Ryanair's behaviour is nothing short of cruel by putting profit ahead of customer choice. We'll do everything in our power to support customers through the despicable behaviour from Ryanair who are punishing travellers just because they don't like competition. Mm, damning so, words. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I could go on and on and on about this. Um, but I'm going to kind of wrap it up um, quite quickly because we've got lots to talk about today. <laughs> um, you may be wondering why bother book through Kiwi anyway. Um, it seems as though the airline uh, or Kiwi is actually selling tickets roughly the same price as... Ryanair, so you're kind of wondering how are they making any money. But when we looked, and you can see all the details on our article about this, I'm not going to read all the numbers out, but um, Kiwi.com was selling the ancillary services for a lot more than Ryanair would. So okay. just an example, priority boarding was listed as um, 26.40, whereas with Ryanair, you could get that for 13.50. Euros. Okay, so the flight itself was the same price. The flight was the same price, and it was. But then the they're making a margin on the ancillaries. Well, yeah, that's that's a little bit naughty on their part when you think you're literally just using a comparison mm. website. But uh, yeah. I guess they've got to make money somewhere, haven't they? Yeah, they have. But it seems that Ryanair isn't the only one that's upset at them because Southwest Airlines actually sued Kiwi earlier this year, saying that um, basically on a similar thing um, that they didn't want. Um, the, their fares being sold by the airline. So mm. it seems to be like a kind of low-cost thing because it's always the case, you know, low-cost, you have to go direct to book. It's like um, those cheap car insurance adverts in the UK where they're like, we're so cheap because uh, you have to come direct to us to book. It's it's a similar thing, but with flights. Right, yeah. Well, that's fair enough, I suppose, mm. but uh, very confusing for passengers, no doubt, who yeah, didn't realise well, that they were the doing something The last thing bad. I will say is that um, Kiwi.com did assure us that their passengers do have access to legitimate Ryanair boarding passes, and they said that these should be used as opposed to the Kiwi ones in the meantime. Okay. Well, hopefully it gets resolved soon because uh, hmm. that's not a very nice experience for a passenger if they turn yeah. up with a Kiwi boarding pass and get told no. Yeah, um, I mean, 99% of the passengers that are going to face this problem are going to be um, completely unaware and it's not really fair on them to be punished for an innocent mistake as far as they're concerned. Exactly, exactly. Well, um, I wanted to talk about planes, <laughs> not boarding Yay! passes a little bit. Um, because that is uh, our podcast theme, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> Before we start the story, just a quick editorial note. 
Since recording the podcast, the FAA informed Simple Flying that they've determined the object in question to be a Mylar balloon and not a drone as previously thought. So uh, in particular, I wanted to talk about Envoy Air, um, who um, people in the US may well know as American Eagle. They are the wet mm. lease operator. Well, they're, they're a wholly owned subsidiary of American Airlines, actually. Um, and they fly all the sort of regional flights connecting to Americans' hubs. Um, and one of their flights, which is EMY3691, also flying as AA3961, sorry, um, that's a regular evening departure from Chicago to Detroit. And it's operated um, daily by an Embraer 175, normally takes off about 1730 and arrives in Detroit about 50 minutes later. Um, but mm. last Sunday, unfortunately, passengers had to take a whole lot longer to get to Detroit because the Embraer hit a drone on its way out of the airport okay. um, so it took off it was um taking off around 40 minutes after its scheduled time about 1820 um and it was expected into Detroit just after 1900, but it collided with a drone. Um, and I looked up the air traffic control um, kind of conversation that went on at the time. And, and it was, um, I think it had been spotted by another aircraft because actually um, the tower contacted the plane first and said, um, Envoy 3691, have you seen a drone on departure? And the pilot replied, um, we think we just hit something. We believe we hit a drone about 30 seconds ago and we'd like to return to O'Hare. Um, mm. So it, there was no evidence of what sort of drone this was, um, but the pilots reckoned that they were around 2,500 feet at the time of the strike, which is really okay. very high. And, uh, you know, I, I had to have a look into this because I thought, can drones actually go that high? Um, I think it would have to be something really sort of professional for that high. Apparently, a lot of them can go that high. Um, they, of course, it's illegal. Um, flying mm. a drone near an airport's illegal in the first place, and yeah. flying it at that sort of altitude is also illegal. The the FAA has a um, set of rules under Part 107 that says the maximum allowable altitude is 400 feet above ground. Um, you are allowed a bit higher if your f uh, drone remains within 400 feet of a structure. Um, mm. The maximum speed is 100 miles per hour. And you can get waivers to go a bit higher than that. But actually, most of the kind of high-end private drones that people buy are very capable of flying a lot higher than that. So um, the highest drone flight ever recorded was a DJI Phantom 2, and that made it up to 11,000 feet. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, but in order to do that, the operator would have had to disable parts of the software mm. um, because the quadcopters are capped at around 1,500 feet. But it doesn't mean they can't go higher than that if you're able to hack them, apparently. Um, mm. And there's a new one out now called the DJI Phantom 4, and that one goes to almost 20,000 feet. Um, but obviously, you know, you'd need all sorts of regulatory waivers to be legally allowed to do so. Anyway, mm. it does sound like this was a private drone. Um, it's going to be super difficult for them to find the operator, I should imagine. Um, but the good news is that the aircraft did make it back to the airport just fine. Um, they had to do a bit of a hold over the north of um, Chicago to burn off a bit of fuel because they were just over their maximum landing weight. 
Um, mm. But they touched down fine and the Embraer stayed on the ground in Chicago overnight. Um, but it returned to service the next day, which suggests that um, the damage wasn't significant or anything that particularly needed mechanical attention. But, you know, of course, with these things, it's a, a really good mm. idea to get it checked out. Um, the yeah. passengers were accommodated on a different 175 um, and they left Chicago just after 10 o'clock and arrived in Detroit just after midnight local time. So um, everybody got there OK in the end. Um, hmm. But I would absolutely, you know, there were a lot of comments about um, how would a little drone even damage an aircraft when, you know, they're built to withstand strikes from Canada geese and things like that. But there hmm. was a cool bit of research done by... Um, the University of Dayton Research Institute. And I've I've put the video in our coverage on the website, so do have a look. But it shows what happens when a drone strikes an aircraft wing um, mm. travelling at around 150 miles an hour. You know, that's quite a slow-moving slow, slow moving yeah. plane. And it literally goes straight through the skin of the wing. Um, mm. It's not a bird. It doesn't, you know, bones don't break and flesh doesn't give way. It's, it's metal and plastic and it just goes straight through. So... Um, really is a, a quite a shocking video to watch. And, uh, you know, as much as they're doing their best to put fines and, you know, even prison sentences in some case on people that break the rules, it's so difficult to keep mm. control of the airspace around airports and to find these operators that break the rules. But uh, thankfully, it was nothing untoward this time. Um, mm. But who knows? <laughs> it's, a, it's something At that... At least it uh, wasn't like the Gatwick drama a couple of Christmases ago. Oh, do you remember that? Yep. <laughs> that was a drone protest, if uh, if you don't remember that one. But uh, that was deliberate and that was to ground planes for, was it Extinction Rebellion or Greenpeace? It was one no, of those No, no, you're thinking of Heathrow it? last year, oh, I think. what happened at Gatwick? Gatwick was the one where they thought there was a drone and um, every flight got cancelled for about 24, 48 hours. And there was right no drone. ahead of Christmas. Well, they never found it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bizarre. So bizarre. Mm. I guess that you better be safe than sorry. But uh, I actually saw quite a slightly amusing one about... Um it just happened a couple of days ago, actually, at Buttonville Municipal Airport. Um, a Cessna 172 was coming in and a police drone, like one that was actually being flown legally by the police mm. in the vicinity, crashed straight into the side of it and uh, caused all sorts of dents and destruction to this poor Cessna. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that the FAA needs to get to grips with, um, particularly mm. with flying taxis and God knows what in our future. Yeah. Well, I wanted to jump back over the Atlantic and a little bit further um, and talk about the Afghanistan airlift. Because obviously last week we talked about Afghanistan and it was quite depressing uh, what we were talking. But we got a bit more uh, good news this week because Lufthansa revealed yesterday as we're recording this that they've so far flown more than 1,500 individuals from Tashkent in Uzbekistan to Frankfurt, Germany. And these are all people who've been flown out of Afghanistan by the German armed, German armed forces. So mm. it's interesting the sort of system they've got going on because Lufthansa isn't flying direct into Afghanistan due to the security risk. So what's actually happening is the German government is ferrying um, Airbus A400Ms, which I've got a newfound love for having researched <laughs> them this week. Um, they're ferrying them into Kabul and they can fit about 200 people on each one with most people sitting on the floor and they've got straps across the floor so people can hold on to them. Um, not very so glamorous, far, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not glamorous, but I feel in this situation, you take what you get and be absolutely, happy with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
so far, the government's taken 2,700 people as of yesterday morning, Monday morning, uh, from 38 nationalities during 20 flights. Um, and then these people, they're flown to Tashkent, which is the capital of Uzbekistan nearby. Um, and when they get there, they're taken to an airport terminal where they're processed by the German government. So the German embassy registers them. And then there's a quick COVID-19 test. And then after this happens, they are given over to Lufthansa, who fly them in a bit more glamour and comfort than <laughs> the Air Force uh, over to Frankfurt. So, like I said, they've so far carried 1,500 people on 12 flights with the Airbus A340-300. So that averages around 115 per flight. So it's quite quite lightly loaded flights for yeah. when you consider the aircraft I wonder why they're using type. the 340. I mean, you'd think... They'd have other more efficient wide bodies or even narrow bodies if they're only flying 150 at a time. Yeah, part of me thinks that maybe that's just what they've got available. Um, yeah. Because it was a very short-term thing. You know, they organized, they got this going on Monday. The government of Germany wanted to charter the flights. So Lufthansa straight away was looking for crew, looking for a plane and looking for... Um, a, a clearance to fly to Tashkent. So yeah. um, I, I, I think it's quite... A good system that they've got set up considering how quickly they did it though because the they've got basically a whole operating base at Tashkent with staff um the aircraft are flying in there they've got the cooperation of the Uzbekistan police and that so um it's I'm, I'm quite impressed with how quickly they got that all set up because they needed it on Monday and basically it was flying Monday evening yeah um, yeah that and basically once they get to Frankfurt, Lufthansa then supports the passengers with food, drink, clothing. There's also medical and psychological care. And they've even got a little paint and play corner for children because there's a lot of uh, young ones escaping Afghanistan as well. Yeah. Well, good for them. Good for Lufthansa. Mm. Yeah. And good and to I must see say the 340 being put to use as well. Yeah. I must say it's not just Lufthansa. A lot of the airlines have been sort of stepping up and getting involved in this. So good for all yeah. of them. It was uh, interesting, actually. I, I was reading the other day about Pakistan International Airlines. I think they've um, uh, evacuated a similar number of people and they're actually flying into Kabul. Um, mm. they're, they're the last commercial airline to actually be flying into the airport to take people out. But they've had to um, stop their flights this week. I don't know if they've restarted yet by the time this podcast goes out, but certainly for the last couple of days, they've not been able to fly in um, mm. because there's piles of rubbish on the runways, apparently. there's a, It's just where people have been trying to get into the airport to get on flights. They're just kind of dumping belongings and rubbish all over the runway and it's no longer safe to land. So uh, mm. hopefully they can get that cleared and carry on with their good work mm. so I wanted it's kind of a similar story actually because yeah. this is related to the disruption in Afghanistan but uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, SAS um, Scandinavian Airlines now these guys operate a large fleet of new generation A320 NEOs um, they've got 45 already in the fleet and another 35 awaiting delivery um, and you know most often you'll see them scooting around Europe to places like London Reykjavik Athens um, mm. but uh, earlier this week two of their narrow bodies took a much longer trip than they, they are usually seen doing. So rather than flying a typical two to three hour hop, they flew for more than nine hours before they were wheels down again. Um, wow. That <laughs> yeah. sounds like a delivery flight. <laughs> it was huge. Um, so they flew in a little convoy all the way across the continent on Monday, August 16th, from Copenhagen all the way to Islamabad in Pakistan. Um 
So the first one that took off was SEROG, which is a, a 1.7-year-old A320 200neo. Um, it's got an all-economy cabin for 180 passengers, and that one departed Copenhagen at um, just after 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And about 20 minutes later, the second, SEDYC, followed suit. That's a three-and-a-bit-year-old A320neo, um, and they took exactly the same flight path. It must have been quite cool because they were literally just sort of 15 minutes apart from each other the, the whole trip um, and they flew through the night to reach their destination so rog touched down first sorry rog i like to call him rog <laughs> <laughs> um, and he arrived in islamabad at 4 48 in the morning the next time next day um, and just 12 minutes later the second a320 neo touched down so um all together they were in flight for more than nine hours um the slower of the two planes clocked in at nine hours and 24 minutes which is epic wow. really yeah. um, um, the Great Circle distance would have been about 5,000 kilometres, I reckon, if it was flown directly. But, you know, they, they made a bit of a detour to skirt around Iranian and Afghan airspace. So the total distance travelled was um, just over that, 5,156 kilometres. You know, that is well within the scope of the A320neo. It's got a maximum mm. published range of uh, 6,300 kilometres. And, and the are fact these that like they... LRs and XLRs or just normal No, these Neos? are just your standard Neo. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? Um, mm. So they pro probably flew out empty. I guess that would have helped with the range as well. Mm. Um, but it's certainly some of the, the longest flights that we've seen with the 320neo to date. Um, and these guys, you know, as I say, this is all related to the um, the disruption in Afghanistan. According to the foreign minister for Pakistan, the country is helping with the evacuation of around 430 Afghan nationals who were working for the Danish government. Um, so they were, they'd already been evacuated to Islamabad and SAS was on the way to pick them up and take them back to Denmark. Um, so they, they've actually called it an air bridge between Denmark and Islamabad to facilitate mm. some more evacuations in the coming days. Um, so, and the two Neos, at the time I wrote the article, they were still on the ground, but they've now returned back to Denmark. So uh, we may well see them going again if there are more mm. people to repatriate. Um, but yeah. I thought that was quite exciting to see such little planes going such a long way. Mm, you would have thought they'd use something like the A350. Well, they do have them, but uh, mm. I guess uh, they wanted something smaller. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just kind of wanted to close up by talking about how a couple of people or a select group of people can now travel to Singapore without quarantining. Yeah, um, people like you, maybe, Tom. Um, well, Yes, today, but um, yes, today, two words there, uh, but not <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Because basically, if you have been vaccinated in Germany and uh, or Brunei, and you've been within the country for the past 21 days, and there's some other um, rules and regulations, but I'm not going to list every single one because people will fall asleep. Um, <laughs> but basically, if you meet these, you're able to travel to Singapore under a so-called vaccine travel lane, which means you won't have to quarantine when you arrive in the city-state. But what I think is crazy is you're not quarantining, but it's still insane what you've got to do to actually get there because four PCR tests are required at various stages to make this happen, which wow. is even more than um, the UK, you know, with its one. <laughs> and everyone <laughs> complains about that. Yeah. Um, 
And bear in mind, you've got to bear the cost of all four of these tests and they're still quite pricey. So yeah. you've got to have one within 48 hours before departure. Right. Uh, then you've got to have another one on arrival in Changi Airport. And you do actually have to isolate until that test comes back negative. So it's oh, not right. totally quarantine free, but um, they're probably like quick. a day or two then. Yeah. Um, then another one on day three and another one on day seven. In Singapore? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and then I mean, do, you, do you have to do another one when you get back to Germany as well? Well, I'm going to go through that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, so you've got to have the test at least, uh, the vaccine at least 14 days, and you've got to spend the preceding 21 days in the country. Um, you're also only allowed to travel on certain airlines. So from Germany, it's Lufthansa, Scoot and Singapore Airlines, and it's got to be a designated vaccine travel lane flight. And from Brunei, it's Royal Brunei Airlines and Singapore. Okay. Um, I just, what I love about this story is the contrast between going to Singapore and going to um, Germany, because Singapore isn't currently considered a COVID-19 risk destination by Germany. Right. Um, so that means assuming that you've flown to Singapore as part of this vaccine travel lane, you're fully vaccinated. So flying to Germany, you don't have to register, you don't have to do a passenger locator form, you don't need to do a test, you don't need to do a quarantine, you just have to show up to the plane and fly. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so it's it's... Like, I mean, I can see why Singapore's doing it because they want to be totally sure that COVID-19 is not accidentally coming into the um, country. But, you know, I don't see it as enabling tourism or even sort of no. non-essential business. The people doing this are going to be VFR travellers who haven't seen family for a long time. Who are desperate, or, yeah. Yeah, or essential business where it's being expensed. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't make it any more practical to fly, really, mm. does it? Not um, really. I mean, it's it's tricky enough trying to know how to get in and yeah. out of the UK right now, and there's usually just <laughs> one test these days. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not a good restart, but uh, it's it's hopeful. I mean, it's better than nothing, though. You know, like, yeah, it is. Hats off to them to making it happen, but um, there's still further to a go long way to, to make go. it more accessible. Definitely, definitely. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for today. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.